right then, welcome back to the Foxhole, Season 6, Episode 5, number 165 overall. Doing this on Tuesday again, because we've been so busy, we haven't had a chance to sit down and record. Vox trying to get the Foxhole, your favorite host, Kid Harlan here, in Studio B tonight. Going with the, the Zoom tools. We always thank the folks at Zoom and Road for providing wonderful tools for content creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The folks at Mixler and uh, www.purpleplanet.com for the tunes and all that good stuff. A little bit frazzled here watching the All-Star game with the Americans and the Nationals tied up at 1-1. Anyways, another episode of Fox Dragon on the Foxhole. So let's get rocking with some open face, shall we? Where shall I start? Well, I think let's start with the spear. You know that wonderful thing in Las Vegas, which is the next great attraction in a city of abundance when it comes to that? So they kind of willed that out on the 4th of July, and some of the visuals that we saw are pretty cool. I mean, what is it? You can have 18,000 people seating and another 20 standing, so... There going to be sporting events. We know U2 is going to start the, the, the proceedings off this fall with a residency. But yeah, I think the future of entertainment just keeps, how shall we say, elevating by leaps and bounds. And, you know, what you're seeing with this thing in Vegas, especially I'm kind of curious in the sports context, what that's all going to look like. And especially, you know, the visuals outside. I'm mean, kind of curious to see what's going to go on inside. What is it, like 1.2 million LEDs? Anyways, crazy stuff. So, since we did our last show on the 4th, we can talk about Joey Chestnut a little bit. How about people putting him on the same pedestal as a Bill Russell? Uh, for the mad dogs and other people that scoff that comment, I'm with you. I mean, I'm not taking away from what he's accomplished. I think it's gross as hell. But still impressive nonetheless. I mean, you know, when you can eat over 60 hot dogs and... But... Let's not compare Bill Russell winning 11 championships in 13 years with this guy being a freak that can just eat a lot of hot dogs. And how he's able to Live a normal life after these competitions as we've talked about in previous seasons is beyond me. But Bill Russell, come on, people. That's pretty insulting to the, the late great number six. Just saying. Okay, what else do we have with open face? Crazy times are, that we were experiencing right now. I just was reading about this yesterday. I haven't really done a deep dive yet because I've been so busy with the professional stuff. How about the New York Times and the LA Times scaling back operations, pretty much collapsing, you know, their sports pages, just like National Geographic going to freelance. I mean, what is happening to print media? You know, as a former resident of Los Angeles, I mean, that used to be you know, like Christmas every morning, sitting back at CSUN, reading the Times, you know, that Back then, the Times was so thick, you know, with writers like Jim Murray and out in Malumad and, you know, other folks. But that, that print media is dying. 
and seeing that the New York Times and the LA Times are both basically just saying, <laughs> you knew it was inevitable with electronic media. And I mean, I don't know how you even make a buck, let alone pay your staff at this point. And there's just so much information available. And with AI bots being able to basically do their jobs for them, but it is pretty spooky when you think that the sports page is something that's a thing of the past. And, you know, when you think about the state of sports TV and how crappy that is, gee, you have to wonder about our, getting our content from Deadspin and Outkick. <laughs> anyway, yeah, interesting. Speaking of, I guess Skip Bayless just announced he's going to unveil... Undisputed 2.0 on 8.28. So good grief, that's, you know, a month and a half away. And he's already been gone since the finals. I mean, I get it. After Shea Shea, he has to rethink the concept. I, mean, I guess Lil Wayne is going to be a major contributor. We still don't know who's going to be his co-host. We've had some folks saying, you know, if he picks a white person... It'll be racist. If he picks a black person, it'll be woke. So, hey, why don't you just find some woman of some other race and really screw with people? Be kicks and giggles. But as much as uh, he gets in my derbs, I'm looking forward to seeing Undisputed 2.0 right about when football season starts. So, all right. And speaking of his former counterpart, Stephen A. Smith, how about his little take on marriage? You know, basically saying that it's one transaction after another. Well, given the money that he makes at ESPN, not surprising that ogre wants to keep it all to himself. Not saying that he doesn't have a point, but gee whiz. How many relationships have you ever been that were cheap either way? <laughs> you know, male or female. So I just thought it was funny that you know, that typical Stephen A. Smith kind of way. That's just one transaction after another. Of course I don't want to have anything to do with that. Ha. Other big story going on this week. How about, you know, Wamba Yamba Gate. The whole thing with Britney Spears. I mean, has Britney Spears gotten so desperate to be in the limelight that she'd pull a stunt like this? And try to say what it, this is effing America because apparently you know she tried to like get some shade and you know reach out and touch you know the phenom on the shoulder and his entourage was having none of it. Of course, I haven't quite delved into you know all the tawdry details, but apparently she didn't even touch him and she's waiting for an apology that's probably not gonna come. And call me cynical, but looks to me like the former pop star is looking any way to be relevant. Hun, this ain't it, if you ask me. All right. Now, it was funny, because I, I think, what was I reading yesterday? I think I was reading uh, Deadspin. I was putting some content together, and I was scouring to see what all the rags that I talk shit about, as far as what they have to say. And there was this article saying, wouldn't it be nice if we could have a Playmakers 2.0. If you remember Playmakers, the controversial show that ESPN had on football that was probably too real 
and the NFL pushed back and made ESPN cancel it. Well, I got to thinking, gee whiz, that was, what, 15 years ago? Probably even more. And as edgy as that show was at that point in time, can you imagine if one at 2.0, right, no holes barred, you could just dip into the regular headlines like they did. You'd probably have a pretty kick-ass show, if you ask me. So, creators out there, I'm sure you don't have to go the ESPN route or even HBO. <laughs> it could be a YouTube thing, but somebody please give us a Playmakers 2.0. I think that would be really awesome at this juncture. Okay. What do we think about Larry Nasser, Mr. Perv, getting shanked? In the joint. Well, you know, when you take advantage of little gymnasts, this is what happens when you get sent to the big house, where the where the the hardened criminals in there sort of frown upon such things. And quite frankly, I'm surprised that it took this long before he actually got shanked. <laughs> you know, maybe somehow survived it. But yeah, you do stuff like that sooner or later. It's, People just frown upon that stuff, so <laughs> anyway. So are we on the threads <coughs> excuse me, are we on the threads bandwagon yet? Not quite. Heck, I don't even have a Twitter account for this yet. I mean I have the LAFC account, my own one, which I never use. But I'm not quite ready to jump on another social media platform. Jeez, I'm already inundated. But I think it's kind of interesting how everybody's like, yeah, man, I have to like get away from Musk and all of his BS. I don't know. Somebody tell me what's going on with threads. FTINFX at gmail.com. I'm going to be on the show, sponsor the show, all that kind of stuff. But drop me a line if you're on threads. I'd really be curious to see what your take is. I don't really know anybody that's using it yet. And I got far too much going on right now to even... Take two seconds to figure that all out. Okay. How about Lance Armstrong in the news? I mean, you know, when you're like an all-time dirtbag, douchebag like he is, it would only be fitting that people are on his case because he's making anti-trans remarks. I don't know if they are. I don't care. But gee, Lance, even if you feel that way, haven't you learned nobody likes you to begin with? They're already looking for excuses to pounce all over you. Come on, man. <laughs> Work on rehabilitating your image. Maybe. You got Dennis Rodman with the face tat of his girlfriend. I was last week, you know, how that get-up he had for the end of Pride Week. It's kind of interesting that he's all of a sudden trying to get in the limelight as his daughter gets, to, gets ready to embark on the World Cup. We haven't really been hearing about Rodman in recent years. Now, all of a sudden, he's all over the place. Coincidence? I think not. And lastly, the foxhole out at Oregon Country Fair. You know, that big tradition is, that's known as Hippie Christmas that's out in Veneta every year where the Grateful Dead played in 1972, and it's so sacred. I have to say, I had a really good time as I always do. I go out there on Sundays if there's not music that I'm interested in because it's a little bit more mellow and 
you know, all the beautiful people and all of the sights. And then after about three and a half hours, okay, get me the hell out of here. But yeah, it was kind of cool. We went with a friend of the show, Andy G. And uh, yeah, it was a good time out at the fair. All right, folks, we're off and running. We'll be back with a high view above campus on the other side. Okay, welcome back to the Foxhole. Season 6, Episode 5, 165 overall. I know, we just had our third anniversary last week. I know, crazy how time flies. But yet, we're still rocking it. Watching the All-Star Game from Seattle. I think it's still 1-1. Oh, it's actually 2-2. Somehow they both teams pushed the run across while I wasn't watching. How about that? Look at that big poppy just chilling with the cool seats. I don't know. We'll talk a little bit more about the All-Star game when we get into Nightfall of Diamonds. It just doesn't have the same feel for me that it, when I was growing up. Now, maybe that's when the National League used to kick the American League's ass every year and I could brag, but I don't even feel there's any distinction between the two leagues, you know, like it was when I was growing up. But we'll get to that in a minute. And meanwhile, let's, you know, we're, since it's summertime, we're chilling. Too lazy to get to the airport. We're just going to break up the drones with a high view above campus. Where shall we start? How about this Ohio law that seeks to target betters who threaten players, coaches, and refs? Does it go far enough? I don't know. I think that, you know, like the penalties, for example. Well, gee, if you get caught, you'll be banned from ever going to a casino or something like that. Who Get somebody else to make your bets. Um, given how threatening I feel the specter of gambling is to the integrity of all sports, I think there should be harsh penalties for anybody involved in that kind of chicanery. You know, whether it's, you know, threatening folks, coercing them. I think there should be very stiff penalties. And so... From what I understand about this Ohio law, it does not go far enough. Obviously, they feel the college kids are more vulnerable, even though with all that NIL money, I don't know why. <laughs> but then again, as we've said many times on this podcast, there are haves and have-nots in that world. Although you have to think, if you're a difference maker... You don't really have to worry too much unless you're a scumbag that just is greedy and wants a bigger bag as far as getting involved, you know, with gambling elements. Anyways, we'll be keeping an eye on how that shapes up. And then you got former New Mexico State coach, Mr. Halar, I believe how you pronounce it. This goes to show you, and I mean, we've got the flip side of this in a minute. But no matter how low you go, and things got pretty bad over there at New Mexico State, the guy still manages to find a job. Now, granted, it might only be from Missouri Junior College, but nonetheless, some school just said, I don't care how many skeletons are in your, are in your closet, how much poop is overflowing in your toilet, yeah, you can come coach our program. Amazing, right? And, of course, we have another week, and another Georgia Bulldog gets in trouble for misbehaving behind the wheel. 
one of their linebackers going 88 and a 55 zone. You know, you think it's no big deal, but given all of the shenanigans that's gone on since they won, you know, their national championship, even their coach, Kirby Smart, comes out, I think it was today, basically say that, yeah, you know, our guy's speeding. It's kind of a problem. <laughs> Must be a hell of a time in Athens right now, especially if you've got a fly whip. Okay. Now, in another interesting turn of events, how about former Florida Gator, Jalen Kitna, John Kitna's son, you know, former Seahawk and a few other stops. He has had his child pornography charges dropped in a plea deal, which, like the guy from Mexico State, makes you wonder, will he play, will some program take a fire on him? And the foxhole's answer is this. If he has any skills that are what we would call elite, yes, in this age of very few morals, <laughs> I think somebody will give him a chance. Now, I don't know how good he is in terms of, you know, can he show up in a program and actually make them relevant? But if he has the skills, you know, the pedigree suggests he might, yes, I think he will get an opportunity to play somewhere. Now, here's the big story going on campus this week. The whole thing with Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald. At first, you know, started out with him getting a two-week ban after allegations of hazing and other tawdry stuff associated with the program came out. Then the guy who used to be president here at Oregon, what's his name, Michael Scholl, I think I'm pronouncing that right. After, you know, the student paper, which as we were just saying in the last segment, which is really amazing if the New York Times and the LA Times get rid of sports, how student papers still even exist, they published an expose outlining all kinds of transactions. The next thing you know, Fitzgerald's out of a job. Definitely a knee-jerk reaction that is the weird flip side of these things. That, yes, yeah, somebody, you know, the students speak or some group does. Next thing you know, a guy's out. But of course, as we always know, somebody else will take a flyer. And it's, in Fitzgerald's case, this is going to get gnarly because I think both sides had agreed to the two-week ban. He claims no wrongdoing in this that he didn't know. Yeah, come on. <laughs> but regardless, do you? I think that they overreacted. It's going to end up in the courts, and Fitzgerald's going to walk out with a lot of money. I don't think he gets his job back, but then again, in this strange world, it seems to be there was a rush to judgment here. I don't think all the facts have actually been presented and if you're letting a student newspaper and some activists dictate what goes on in a million-dollar program, especially in this age of questionable morality, yeah, okay. I know Northwestern is a very respected institution, and it's not, you know, an SEC school that just says, ah, hell, whatever goes. But still, this doesn't sit well with me, and I'm sure... His lawyers are saying, yo, man, we about to get paid. Okay. Still, they was surprised that they fired him. You know, I was sitting back, couldn't sleep uh, a few nights ago. You know, a lot going on. And it's just lying in bed. I was like watching ESPNU. And I probably have this conversation on this show every year. 
But, you know, they were showing the U and the U part two. And, of course, I get sucked in every time it's on. But I got to thinking watching it. Because every time I get do insights. I was thinking about Mario Cristobal. Yeah, CMC. Formerly of U of O. <laughs> and you got to think, after watching that, and I'm sure, you know, any hardcore Bruce's or a fan of the Canes is probably thinking the same thing I am. The clock's ticking on you, bro. I think they've been irrelevant far too long for what they've accomplished. And in this day of instant gratification, you got to think, if they stumble with his people this year, they're not going to be too patient in Coral Gables. Which makes me wonder about Lincoln, Nebraska. Because they played the, uh, the Cornhuskers twice for national championships back in the day. How patient can they be with Matt Rule? And can Matt Rule actually turn around a program that is irrelevant? I mean... I, would, I, I struggle to even think they were blue blood at one point, even though they were. But definitely, there ain't no blue in that blood at this point. And it makes me wonder, can he make this program relevant again? And, you know, right, it's one of these situations where back in the day, getting the big farm boys and some cats with speed. But now that everybody has access to cash and facilities... I don't know if you can attract people to Lincoln at this point. We'll see. If you disagree, please tell me. F-T-I-N-F-X at Gmail. Love to hear you from you. you know, I was talking about Jalen Kitna a second ago. I have to wonder about um, Matt Hasselbeck, you know, former Seahawk, Packer, blah, blah, blah. You know, very good NFL quarterback. You know, him and his brother Tim are great analysts. His son has just committed to Michigan State. And I wonder, with him, is is it just a name, or is he actually going to be a star on the rise? We already know Arch Manning is poised to be that way. You know, Brawny. Could Matt Hasselbeck's son all of a sudden be somebody that pro teams are licking their chops in a year or two? Didn't hear much about him on the radar, so I don't know exactly what he brings to the table. But I am kind of curious. Always in when it comes to, you know, eh, these sons of quarterbacks, you know, since they have such a leg up on the competition. Anyway, okay, what else do I have here? Well, let's talk, let's talk some women's college basketball real quick. Those LSU Tigers, those Lady Tigers, really starting to show that box office appeal. I was just talking about the spear in the last uh, segment. Well, apparently... They're going to open their season in Vegas to bitch fanfare at 11-6, you know, a big event. And I guess we'll get a glimpse of how far the ladies' game has, has come because this is supposed to be a big showcase. I think Oregon's part of it as well and some other high-profile programs. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, if women's college basketball truly does take this next step. Man, it took quite a big step last year. And you could only expect they were going to continue to build on that momentum. Yeah. One of the things that I think is funny, though, was there's a proposal to have summer hoop exhibitions. But it's been tabled because the coaches aren't for it. The players want it because that's obviously more opportunities to showcase them and create NIL opportunities. 
But the coaches are just like, nah, we've already got too many distractions. So it might be table for now, but you can guarantee that conversation will ignite sooner or later. All right, that's what's going on high above campus. We'll be back with something interesting when we come back. Something like that. Okay, we're having a little fun over here in the foxhole. Haven't pulled off the orbit in a while. All right, time for one of our favorite segments that we do every week. Something you should probably know. Or things that happen in the sports world you might want to know or care about. Where should we start here? Well, let's start off with the United States Track and Field Association. You know, the uh, nationals are being held in Eugene, you know, right? Trap Town, USA, the, the Mecca, the palace that Phil built. And I think it was kind of funny. The first time the competition was behind a paywall and like the, even the local stations couldn't show highlights. Now, for a sport that really needs traction going into an Olympic year next year, you would think they would want to make this content available as much as possible. Not to mention, being on CNBC for two hours, yeah, I mean, it's not like people, the outlets aren't hurting for content, especially this time of year, and yet some, you know, showcasing some of our most, uh, outstanding athletes seems to be a hard thing. I don't quite get it. But I think it's kind of interesting that Shikari oh Shikari back with the vengeance winning the 100 meters. How about that? Well, I'm sure she isn't going to blend it up this time, but uh, hey, I gave her a lot of grief. So, you know, props to her. Okay. And how about the LPG? LPGA returning the pebble for the first time in 70 years and you know, for the U.S. Women's Open the gal from USC won Rose didn't quite shock us there but it's kind of cool I just think it's kind of interesting that it's been 70 years since the LPGA has had an event at Pebble Beach considering all the major championships that have happened there you know the men were out at uh TPC Deer Run, and you got Cam Young, you know, sort of, you know, getting ready or tuning up to defend his crown, British Open coming up here soon. Obviously, big news today with the PGA defending itself in the court, you know, basically saying, hey, we had to merge with Liv, <laughs> right? I mean, our, our, our product was, was being threatened. Kind of bullshit, if you ask me. But nonetheless... I thought it was interesting, you know, the usual arguments against Saudi blood money, especially coming from people that forget of all the stuff that the United States and its allies have done, and consequently their enemies, that, yeah, let's just get away from that sort of thing, and just, as I keep saying here on the podcast, it's a business, you know, right? There is no thing as sports washing. It's all about making those dollars. Ha! I think it's interesting. How about Brooks Kepka catching a little heat for his unsympathetic criticism of Matthew Wolf 
who's been experiencing um, some mental health issues and is trying to work through them. And <laughs> Brooks Kepka's not having any of it. And, you know, rightfully so, there's a little bit of blowback. But what I like about Brooksy is he doesn't care. Just like, you know, with this fight with B Bryson, he's probably, you know, like saying, ah, bring it. It's not going to affect my game. Okay. So the Joker's quest for his eighth is still going strong. No surprise there. Good to see an American, you know, getting deep. Really good there. Miss Wyatek, even though people thought she would struggle, she's done quite well, and she's going to be down there. Oh, I think in, what, the final eight, I believe it is. Yeah, we didn't get a chance. Of course, Coco Goff, as always, can't catch a break and gets bounced. Like to see her break through, but it's not going to happen this time on the grass. Okay. Um, now we have Canelo, who's going to be fighting Jamel Charo on 9:30. And as I always say when I'm ranting on boxing, does anybody care? Probably not. That's the thing. Even when and brought this up many times before, but like when people don't care about Canelo or that barely moves the needle. That tells you something about boxing. Because, you know, there's a couple of years ago when, as I've, I think I've mentioned this before, how LAFC fans who were about as rabid about their club as anyone would be torn whether or not, gee, do I watch the match or go to the match or do we, you know, get out of the Canelo fight? You don't hear any of that talk right now. And so, once again, that can't be good as, as far as boxing is concerned. You know, and it brings me to this ESPN.com article that came out earlier this week. You know, and, you know, the premise is basically this from them. They contend big fights only happen when they make sense for both sides. And what does the Fox will think? Well, this is why boxing will never thrive again. Because if you're not taking the best fight available... You're taking what makes sense to protect whatever you're trying to, whatever your aim is, that can't be good for the sport. I also feel that, and this has been going on forever, but now there's so many divisions, as we've talked about before, you know. Is it the middleweight championship or is it the 130 pound? Depending on, it's hard to keep up with the alphabet soup and the different weight classes, and people jumping around from here, people getting their title stripped for whatever. It just seems like there's just so much chaos, and not a lot of things that make sense with that sport. You know, we've talked so much, you know, in the past year or so about boxing trying to be relevant, and, you know, when you see people like Mr. Davis and some other folks, fights that are promoted, and then they're talked about maybe maybe that night, and then nothing after that. I don't know. It's really crazy when you think, because I was watching this documentary, finally, you know, it's been around forever, but I was watching uh, the documentary on Hector Camacho last night, because I didn't have anything else to watch. And I remember, like, when he fought Boom Boom Bancini. You just don't have those kind of fights anymore that, you know... All of a sudden, you want to like, yeah, man, I'll go hang out with the with the boys. We'll get some pops, you know, get a few pies. It just, I at least in the circles I travel around, that just doesn't happen anymore, and that's kind of sad. Okay, how about Lewis Hamilton? You know, he's 
been known to be an activist. I won't call him a, you know, a full-out wokester, but he does at times lean in that direction. But I thought it was interesting, you know, with the Britain Grand, British Grand Prix, how he basically told the stop oil protesters to stay away. Because, you know, they made a big ruckus at Wimbledon. But I think Lewis is kind of saying, eh, you know, this is our big showcase. You know, I, other ways for you to get your message out instead of disrupting our event. Kind of funny how he's outspoken about some things, but when it comes to the race on his home turf, well, he wants the protesters to stay away. Yeah, okay. What do we think about F1 getting the Hollywood treatment with everybody's, you know, favorite, the lady's heartthrob, and guys who just think he's a all-around funny guy to pick on the role that he plays, but Brad Pitt probably going to be a star in Hollywood's treatment of F1. Well, with Brad Pitt being in it, I have some hope for it. You know, hopefully, you know, we have a decent screenplay and a good director, and maybe this will turn out to be something good. Who knows? <laughs> All right, folks, that's what's going on. Kind of a slow week, you know, obviously since we're doing this on Tuesday, we want to save some content for the next episode and all that good stuff. We'll be back with a night full of diamonds when we come back. I know, crazy night. We got so much going. I'm not even watching the opening air of Fish Tour. I mean, I have to like do it VOD. Yeah, I got my reasons behind it, but if I didn't get this podcast in today, when was I going to do it? No, so, you know, so I always have to start off with my hippie reference. Of course, the Snooze Factory getting ready to finally have its curtain call. Not a minute too soon, I might add. Anyway, so what's going on in the real Nightfall of Diamonds? So the score was 2-2, and because I got the sound down, I guess a run must have gotten pulled back somehow. I have to figure out what's going on there, but the American League is leading 2-1, which makes me ask, does the National League ever win this game? <laughs> you know, there was one point where, what, they won like 15 of 16? Oh, yeah. If you're a die-in-the-wool 1876 kind of guy like I am, yeah, maybe that's another reason why watching the All-Star game is a low priority. How about the Tigers combining for a no-hitter? We had a perfect game last week. Now we have a combined no-hitter this week. Funny how these things all seem to be stringed together, but that's a little bit of excitement there. Um, another big story is... The contention that before Tani got a little banged up, he was having the best month in MLB history. What about that? Babe Ruth's like, going to say what? But the truth is, the way this guy's pitching and just knocking dingers left and right, this is something we've never seen before. This is like, as I, as I said from day one, you know, relish this. You know, we're truly seeing something phenomenal that... We only know of reading what happened in the 20s, you know, when guys hit 400 and, you know, hit 60 home runs and all that kind of stuff and just captured the fancy of a nation. We're actually seeing that in Otani, and it's kind of cool, you know. And I don't want folks to take this incredible 
phenomenon that he is for granted. Okay. So, you know, the Derby was yesterday. I mean, I guess what, Vlad hit like 40 dingers in one section. In one session. I think it was a record 70, something like that. Just a complete power surge. And you know what? I didn't watch a second of it. If you did and you enjoyed it, fantastic. But all of these things, the whole All-Star Weekend, it's just, it's really lost its luster for me. Now I know that Things have, you know, changed and we're far more saturated with way more, you know, inputs to choose from. But it really used to be a momentous occasion, you know, the Midsummer Classic. I just don't feel that way anymore. You know, I'm like kind of sitting here watching this. I've got the sound down. You know, they've got the softball-looking uniforms on and all this other stuff. It, yeah, you know, if... if there wasn't such a buzz about, um, you know, Flat Jr.'s power surge. I would have even forgot. And, of course, all the talk about the guy on the Orioles, the Oregon State kid's sister, the cameraman, who was infatuated with. It's always funny with these cameramen these days, you know. You can tell it's a lonely fraternity there because they always, oh, I've got to look at Blondie or oh, I've got to look at the cute brunette. And, you know, there'll be like nine, ten shots of them. That's so damn silly. Okay. Anyways, I'll hold my saltiness. Talk a little more baseball. So, Mr. Arise, you know, I always pronounce it Bradley, but last I, I might looked, I haven't looked in a couple of days, he was hitting like 386. So the quest for 400 is still on. But you notice how he's going on the wrong side of 400 as we get deeper and deeper in July as we hit August. And this is when it really becomes tough. Not a surprise. Nobody's hit 400 since, you know, 1941. And I'm not ruling it out, but it does get tougher and tougher, right, as we get deeper in the dog days of summer. And we'll be keeping an eye on that. And it was heading into the All-Star break. I know that the Phils had won, like, 13 straight on the road and eight of their last 10. But here's the thing. They're like, they're still 11 games behind the Braves because the Braves have won 9 out of 10. The Mets have won six in a row, seven of 10. You know, you have to think that Mr. Cohen's calmness is working, but with the Braves playing so well, does it really matter? Well, then again, you know, with all the playoff opportunities, maybe it does. But yeah, the Braves are just really balling. And speaking of the Orioles, last time I checked, they were like three, two and a half out. And that's incredible given how sizzling the, the Rays have been. Right? The Rays have just been the Rays have just been, you know, kicking everybody's asses. And yet the Orioles are breathing down their necks. And what's truly, I think, the story of the year, as far as that goes. I mean, it was a great story last year. But for them to string, to string together another fascinating season and really posing a challenge to a team that's been, you know, pretty phenomenal through, you know, the first half of the season, hey, props to them. How about the Dodgers? They, despite wobbling and having all of their woes, and I thought this would be kind of a wayward year for them, they're only half a game behind the Diamondbacks. 
right? All this talk of them fading away, they haven't gone away. You know, I, this is with Kirsch having to go to the DL and some other injuries as they, they're known to have. But here we go again. You know, they're, they're right there poised to make a run. And so you have to give the Dodger brass, and you have to give Dave Roberts. He might be maligned, like most Dodger managers are, for not getting things done when it matters. But give Doc his props in terms of the job he's done with the Dodgers this year. You know, they're, they're right there. So another interesting thing I'm finding, how about the Twins? They're 45 and 44, leading the Guardians by a half a game, which brings the question up. Will we see a sub-500 division, sub division champion in baseball? Very well possible, given that that division is pretty mediocre, and <laughs> if any of these teams go on a losing streak, yeah. What will the Tim Kirchens say about that? Oh, they can't belong here. It's sacrilege. And we've done it in the NFL and the NBA. You'll survive having teams below 500. But I think it would be kind of interesting to see a sub-500 <laughs> division winner in baseball. All things are possible. Anything's possible. Okay. Let's hop on the Zamboni real quick. Uh, props to the LA Kings. Signing Mr. Kovatar to a two-year extension. He and my man, Mr. Drew Doughty, the last two members of those great Kings teams that won a couple, you know, two titles in the last decade. I think that's cool that the Kings are keeping, you know, the, those links to those years. Great for the fans there. You always like to see that happen. So cool there. Uh, well, I'll leave it with this one. So the NHL is the latest league to launch a diversity initiative. What does the Foxhole think about that? Well, I think it's a bit late as far as that goes. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I just don't think it's window dressing to me at this point. Okay. You know, especially, yeah, that league's gotten a little bit more diverse. There's a little bit more color there. But I'm not sure what the aim here is going to be. It's like, I think you're already on that train or not. That's just how I see it. Okay, folks, that's what's happening in the night full of diamonds. We'll be back with some beautiful game life when we come back. Alrighty, welcome back to Fox Trying to Get a Foxhole. Let's do some beautiful game life, shall we? So, this just came down the pipeline today. I haven't really had time to unpack it. But apparently, the USL is going to have a vote on instituting ProRail. Ah, uh, the ProRail crowd is bathing in its crystal right now. I think it's kind of interesting. Obviously, you know, I'm a big Land <coughs> United fan, and they're hopefully going to move up to a, a higher tier in the USL. But I think that might be fun. You know, we know MLS is never going that route. 
You know, you're not going to have a billion dollar franchise like LAFC put themselves in harm way. But I do feel that the USL, it could be intriguing. Um, not sure exactly how that's going to work. And even the folks that are bathing in their castal are not sure it's going to even pass. But the fact that they're putting it to a vote, that is pretty monumental. Can't wait to see how it shakes out if, if we get to that point. But in terms of that particular league and the potential to bring more fans in, especially folks that are not part of these markets, sure, why the hell not? I know that us that are not part of the pro rail side or the, you know, the, let's put it this way. It'll be fun, but don't think it's going to spread to the top of the pyramid. We'll be following it nonetheless. Okay, how about that U.S.-Canada Gold Cup match the other night? You know, Canada and it never beating the USA, you know, when we get that high. Wow. And the USA, I thought was going to be in trouble. You know, they take the late lead, get like a goal in the 89th minute. Miles Robinson with the stupid handball penalty. And then that incredible goal the kid from Canada had to go up 2-1. The late goal, and then Matt Turner just being Superman. USA wins on penalties to stay alive. They'll be in action tomorrow against Panama. So looking forward to that. That was an incredible Sunday night. Kind of started off being kind of being ho hum. I was kind of exhausted coming out of the fair. Next thing I know, I'm like, wow, this is turned to be one hell of a one hell of a match. Wow. Yeah. Okay. PSG in the news. Finally making it official. Sack Gaultier finally out. Luis Enrique in. Nasser laying down the law as far as Mbappe's future in Paris. Basically saying, you sign an extension or else. I know how Mbappe's people are handling it. But news today. They're poised to try to get him to at least sign an extension in 2025. And that way he can play this year. And then they can probably move him next year. One way or the other, I would like for this shit to end. Being a fan and not being, you know, detached and being a podcast host. That this crap we go through every summer with this guy and this nonsense. But I do feel one more year in Paris will be good for him and the PSG nation. Or universe, however you want to call it. We'll see going to be an interesting couple of weeks as far as that goes. I know they get ready to start camp here any minute. Okay. And, the, and PSG also signs Lucas Hernandez from Bayern. Had some other interesting signings. So we'll see. Maybe that'll convince him Bobby to hang around a little while longer. Who knows? How about the fourth, the Galaxy and LAFC? You know, 82,000 MLS record. The Galaxy stunning LAFC. LAFC is reeling. Didn't look that good, you know, the draw over the weekend with San Jose either. Yeah, the champs are wobbling. Meanwhile, the Galaxy, feeling a little bit of life, also knock off the Union, who after losing, they've dropped two in a row. 
and they're going south as far as the power rings are concerned. A lot of crazy stuff going there. Uh, the Rapids ending a nine-game skid with a narrow win over FC Dallas. Yeah. Talk about, you know, pro-rail. <laughs> well, or uh, what, do they, what do they call it? Contraction. Yeah, I don't know what to say about the Rapids. You got you have to wonder the success that Cronkies had that sooner or later maybe you'll give a shit about them as well. Still waiting to see that happen. Um the Messi watches on and apparently even though they are still south as per you know in the standings, Inter Miami gets another draw with a very impressive DC United squad that you know Wayne Rooney's done a fantastic job with. But here's the bottom line: draws aren't going to cut it. If Messi's going to make some noise, Inter needs to start getting some wins there, posting three points here and there. Yeah. So the big thing that's coming up tomorrow, along with the USA, St. Louis City, who's leading the West by three, they're going to be playing LAFC. You know, the same, I mean, I think it's the same time. You have to have multiple screens going for that. But that is going to be a showcast match. If you don't watch the MLS, you should check this match out. It's going to be big. I mean, I think it's one of these moments if LAFC is going to defend their crown. They need to get three points against St. Louis City. Yeah, just straight up. Um, then you've got our, our friend. The legendary Megan R. She's hanging it up after this World Cup. Some people are throwing a party. Other people are celebrating what's been a fascinating career. Like her, loathe her, whatever the case may be, she has left an indelible mark on the women's game. And she will, she's going to be sorely missed, one way or the other, whether you like her or not. Of course, you have to feel she ain't going far, you know. We'll probably see her on one of these shows. She's probably looking, you know, <laughs> at Miss Caitlin and going, hey, I want to sit next to you. And Caitlin's like, nah, man, this is my party. The boys like me. But, yeah, you have to figure that we, we have not heard the last of Megan R. It's cool as far as that goes. Another big story. How about David De Gea leaving Manchester United after 12 seasons at Old Trafford? Don't know... How you feel in terms of what does he rank as you know an all-time great? You know I don't know if they've had the significant hardware in his tenure, but he's been quite the fixture, you know, with the Red Devils, and it's kind of strange to see him moving on. The Spurs still saying they want to keep Kane, so nothing's happening as far as that goes so far. But hey, there's still plenty of time here. Also getting ready for Arsenal going to play the MLS All-Stars. So things are heating up here, so, you know, as far as the beautiful game live summer. So we're looking forward to a lot of cool stuff there. You know, especially you know, when the big leagues start their American tours and all that kind of stuff. Giving the fans stateside a chance to see, you know, their heroes. And these teams put more money in their coffers playing in these big stadiums. Always an exciting time as far as that goes. 
All right, that's what's going on, Pitch Side. Probably get to talk a little bit more, but hey, you know what? We're just trying to get this episode through. And by the way, the NL just hit like a two-run dinger. Last time I looked, they're up 3-2 as we get near the end. Hopefully, they won't find a way to blow up, but if history uh, is an indicator, I'm not too confident the National League can finally get a W for once. All right, folks, we'll be back with the NBA beat. Having to resort to all kinds of tricks to get our sounds here tonight using the podcaster. It's been a while. Not the podcaster, but, you know, the pod track. So my my sounds are a little bit limited because I'm too lazy to, like, break out the roadcaster. That's why I'm in Studio B. Not too lazy, but, you know, we were sharing space tonight. So we were in the back here, which is fine. As we are... Is that the, I guess we're in the bottom of the eighth. So the NL is still up 3-2. Runner on first. Kip from the Padres on the mound trying to, trying to hold the lead. So let's talk some NBA beat. Well, shall we start? Well, I finally got around to watching The Luckiest Man Alive. You know, the four-part ESPN 30 for 30 on, you know, Bill Walton. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. I mean, you know... The obvious, you know, homage to the Grateful Dead and the influence on his life. If you're a deadhead, how can you not like it? But that aside, which is absolutely phenomenal, the story itself was pretty cool. You know, I knew that he led to an interesting story, and it delivered. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. I think it's pretty insightful. His days in the Blazers, as being up here in Oregon and getting some insight of Portland. In you know the 70s and what that was like when the Blazers won it, which many of you Blazer fans up here weren't even born when that happened. So I'm sure that was a treat for all of you to, to experience that and him going back to Portland and you know the stories about UCLA and even you know his time with the Clippers and the Celtics. So definitely highly recommend folks checking that out. Okay, um, another big story, lots of big stories in uh, the off season. You know, summer league's going on, obviously, but. Mr. Silver, aiming to prevent, you know, a PSG situation in the NBA. Because, you know, I told you a few weeks ago about Qatar trying to quietly, you know, buy up properties in American sports. But he's basically saying there isn't going to be that. You know, you're going to have to, you know, when it comes to ownership, no country is basically going to come in and buy up half the league. Money talks, Mr. Silver. Talking tough now, I hope you're able to, like, maintain that line. We'll be keeping an eye on that. We also kind of, you know, gave the broad strokes for the playing tournament. It's coming. What should we think? I don't think much about it, okay? I talked about it last week in a closer look what I thought about all these tournaments and all that kind of stuff and how I'm just, we're already oversaturated. And you got to think, okay, it counts for the regular season and all this stuff, but you really think these players are going to give a shit about winning some in-season tournament? 
you know, when getting through the regular seasons of grind as it is, it's like talk about te- sub 500 teams making the playoffs, and you can still make the playoffs. I'm just not feeling it. Okay, Mr. Wambayama finally arrives. First game with two for 13. Kind of showed his length and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, obviously, the jitters and all that kind of stuff. And everybody hopping on the bandwagon. He comes back in game two, scores 27, and gives us a glimpse of what we're in store for. And, of course, the Spurs shut him down saying, okay, you've seen what the future is. Now it's time to make sure homie doesn't get hurt. And believe me. You know, take you know he's down in he's down in Texas. Take that kid to Whataburger and you know order him like ten or twelve burgers and put some meat on him. Good grief! And of course, Popovich, who we were waiting, you know, uh, ride him off in the sunset, signs a five-year deal. Gee, big surprise there with this kid coming on. So we're gonna have Pop in his shenanigans for another five years. <laughs> Gee, go figure. Okay. The Dame Della Hala situation gets even more complicated. The Blazers are willing to wait it out. He liked to go to Miami. He's not helping matters by insisting on where he wants to go. And I don't blame him because if you don't get to determine where you want as your next destination, Portland's quite fun. The fans will get over his flirtation and talk of wanting to leave it if he ends up remaining a blazer. People who were butthurt, they'll get over it. You know, I think they're just frustrated and want, you know, some resolution here. But I can't blame the blazers for taking the time. Why should they be in a hurry? They should get, you know, the best deal possible and all the assets that will put them in a position for success. Makes sense, don't it? Ah, the summer gets more interesting as the days go on. But boy, fall is slowly in the distance going, yeah, I ain't there yet, but it's almost mid-July, people. Okay, up of the Bucks, bringing back Lopez, Middleton, and now Jay Crowder. Are they a strong contender to get back to the promised land? I think they are. Uh, you know, I, I, obviously, the freak's health is a major question mark. I feel that if he's healthy and some of the criticism that he's received for not delivering after they won a title, he's going to be highly motivated. So it would not surprise me if they come out of the East. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, with the smart trade and Przingis going to Boston, how that fits. I'm not sure if the Knicks are ready to make that step. So, you know, and with the Sixers... As long as they have the Harden situation, you just can't believe they can go that far. Now, I'm from Missouri. Show me that you can, and then I'll believe it. Seriously. So, yeah, I do feel that if the Bucks are healthy, there's no reason why they should not be a solid favorite to win the East. That's just the way I see it. How about Chris Paul? Basically coming out saying he thinks he'll be a good fit in San Francisco with the Warriors. Of course he thinks he's a good fit. You know, that guy's got, you know, as much confidence about himself and what he can do for a franchise as anybody. Of course, it never translates into him delivering. 
You know, I don't want to be too harsh on the Warriors because, you know, they are accomplished. But I said it in previous podcasts. I'm going to say it again. I don't know how you... I don't know if getting older is a blueprint for success in the NBA that's unfolding before our very eyes. And given his unreliability when it comes winning time, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you have Curry, and we saw even in that Lakers series, the guy can keep that team in any series. But, you know, with a lot of young guns coming and certain teams getting stronger, I'm just not seeing it quite yet. Okay. You know, I've got me, this got me thinking. You know, when it comes to the Suns, you know, a lot of talk, you know, obviously with the moves they made. But you have to ask yourself this. What will Katie's legacy be if the Suns go bust? And he's going to be considered an all-time great. I don't think there was any debate from folks that know basketball how great that all-time is. We can't have a conversation about. And, you know, the fact that he joined a team that had successful, I mean, you know, he joined a team that went 73-9 and and helped them, you know, win a pair of championships and then got broke down before they could three-peat. But not being able to do it in Oklahoma City, not being able to do it in Brooklyn, and now Phoenix, I think that will go against him. And it may keep him out of the penthouse. In fact, I say he'd have to win two in Phoenix for entry to the penthouse. Because as good as he was on the Warriors, and you know the, the solid career he's had, for the Foxhole, it's not enough. Disagree? F-T-I-N, F-X and Gmail. Love to hear what you think. Yeah? Okay. How about the ladies? I haven't talked about the WNBA that much. But how about some of the, the bigger stars pulling their resources together to start an off-season league to create more opportunities for the ladies to play stateside? You know, the whole situation at there were more opportunities. Someone like Brittany G wouldn't have been in Russia wouldn't have had to get in trouble, or you wouldn't have to go to Saudi or play in Australia. Well, I say more power to you. Although, if you're not able to create buzz with the WNBA, what is another league going to do? We shall see. I mean, we talked earlier about you know the women's college game, so maybe the time has come, and maybe they can take this thing and, and brush the WNBA aside. We'll be watching with very keen interest over here in the Foxhole for sure. All right, folks, that's what's going on in the hardwood. We'll be back with a closer look. Welcome back to the Foxhole. NL3, AL2, AL down to its final three outs. Nobody out at the moment. All right, time to opinionate. Editorialize, rant and rave, whatever you want to call it. A closer look. Where shall we start this week? So let's go with last Tuesday night. The splendid fourth. 82,000 people on the Rose Bowl. A great showcase for the MLS. 
And it got me to thinking, where does the MLS go from here? Obviously, in certain markets, in certain matchups, it has incredible drawing power. I mean, even seeing people in the lower bowl at Soldier Field, you know, there's a lot of buzz going on. But there are a lot of folks who are still skeptical about what the MLS can achieve. And that would be obviously becoming, you know, a top five league in the world. And, you know, obviously this talk with USL, Pro Rail, and that kind of stuff. What does the MLS need to do? We've had this conversation over the last three years, and we'll have it again. And I still think that contraction might be, you know, the path. Or if not contraction, relocation. There are plenty of markets out there. San Diego is obviously coming online here at some point. Places like Vegas and Phoenix and Memphis, they're chomping at the bit to get in. So, I mean, there's no shortage of suitors. All the great stadiums, and I'm sure there'll be more fantastic venues to come. Yeah, I do feel that MLS needs to go after some of its weak sisters, you know, and give them an ultimatum. It's like, hey, make this happen, you know. I mean, obviously, there's people in certain cities, you know, over there in Harrison are probably like saying, dude, really? <laughs> you talking about us, Red Bull? Eh, you know. But I see 80,000 in Los Angeles, see 70,000 in Atlanta, 60,000 in Charlotte. The product's there, okay? I mean, and the fans are there in certain situations. And the MLS needs to capitalize in those areas in order to grow the sport to where it needs to be. It's taken great strides, you know, when a handful of owners kept it alive and you know, the, the, the salary structure that was necessary then, as we've said millions of times on this podcast, a little antiquated at this point. I think you need to take off the first strings. Or you need to, you know, not take off the first strings, but open the purposes up. So a team like an LAFC or the Sounders has the ability to compete in CONCACAF and also be viable during the regular season. I mean, LAFC struggles right now, and Seattle struggles last year tell you something about these teams are not geared for, you know, a continental competition in the rigors of the league. And that's really unfortunate because that's what it's going to take for the MLS to reach its goal of being a top five league is to be to win continental championships and be in the Cup World Cup and have a presence there. And the way the league is constituted right now, that's just not feasible. And I think it, the reality has to sit in where we need to make that happen. I don't think it's uh, rocket science here. You know, I'm not seeing anything profound. Anyways, you know, I have to go on this rant once a year. Okay. Are we about to suffer Wambiyama fatigue? And, you know, what about the other budding talents? I brought this up a few weeks ago, but now that we've got our first glimpse of what Wambi world is like, Brief as it was, I don't 
if, if it's a certain fatigue. As I brought up a few weeks ago, I, you have to wonder you know, about the existing talent and you know some of the people that are coming in the league that all the focus is on this one guy. And, you know, obviously the report card, you know, was incomplete. You know, one good game, one not so good game. And it, it is summer league, and you can tell that the kid needs to put some beef on his frame. The whole thing with Britney Spears, whatever, you know, I mean, it, it's a big deal. You know, the kid's a big deal. And so, yes, the media has an obsession, but when does the media not have an obsession on somebody who's the next big thing? Man, good grief. Can you imagine as big of a deal as LeBron was back then coming to the league? Can you imagine if he was coming to the league now or someone like Kobe, you know? So, yeah, it, in this age of social media and, you know, 24-7, 365 hype, Fatigue, I'm not so sure yet. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to get to the point like it was with LeBron, but hey, we don't know. You know, this year one, I think being in San Antonio will sort of quell some of that, and it probably is going to take a minute or two for this kid to really help that team turn around, even though you got Pop and some good assets, so I could be wrong as far as that goes. But I won't know if I would. I want to say fatigue quite yet. I think you know, them shutting them down for a minute might be a good idea. Just say, hey, you have to wait. <coughs> yeah, NBA twenty three twenty four is going to be a lot of fun, regardless. You know, but some of the other kids are probably like, going, what about me? What about me? Kind of funny because outside of. You know, the Wambi Circus, yes, you know, the Summer League is a Summer League. You know, there's a big article about how far it's come in, you know, the two decades or so in Vegas. And, you know, the Cali Classic as well. And, you know, it's it's a good showcase for the league's young talent and for people that have got nothing better to do in this t slow part of the year. It is 3-2 with a runner on first, so have a lot to talk about, you know, once I get some chance to uh, do a download on the All-Star game, but I'll be in the next episode. But yeah, I mean, it's cool stuff. So we'll, we'll leave you with this one. Sports TV and why people are walking away in droves. I talked earlier about Undisputed 2.0. But, you know, I was like watching First Take earlier in the week. And it was like Mad Dog and Stephen A. And then I was watching Get Up before that. The Carton Show, Speak, formerly Speak for Yourself, First Things First. No wonder people are walking away from in droves. Not only do these folks rehash the same talking points, I try to diversify mine a little bit, but after a while, it's just this drone on and on. And then you throw in the woke aspect of it. You know, where certain folks can't wait to, you know, get on the race baiting or gender binging theme. And people are getting tired of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're in a different reality where sports, politics, culture, they all intersect. So nobody's saying shut up and just dribble anymore. Hi, Laura Ingram. We thought you were fired, but you still got a job. Promise to you in that regard. <laughs> 
But no, we're nobody saying shut up and dribble and all that kind of stuff. But folks are getting turned off. And you get the sense that if somebody can come up with a formula that is not so woke, not so, I don't know, so me-centric, it might have a chance. I don't think the format is dead, per se. I just think the way it's being presented right now, people have had their fill. And consequently, the, these ratings are going to drop. And networks like ESPN, you know, was turning away t talent, you know, in order to keep some of its big-name talent and preserve some of the wokesters ain't helping. I mean, it's a telling sign when you, you see someone like Scott Van Pelt say he doubts he'll be there in three years. You know, for heaven forbid, ESPN sources and guys like that. Even Stephen A. Smith said, hey, I could be on the chopping block at some point. Oh, well, things we'll be keeping an eye on as we head towards seasons four, not seasons four, but seasons seven, eight, nine. See, I can't even count anymore. Wow. The AL have runners at first and second with two outs. See? The NL will figure a way to screw this up. All right. Anyways, we will be back with the NFL report and some TMCA time to close things out. Oh, yeah. All righty. Somehow. Got, getting through another episode. Hey, you know, it's been a little bit frazzled this week. So much going on. I pushed to another Tuesday. Kind of rushing things through. So, you know, and plus trying to, like, save some content. Because we're going to try to get back on about, get back on our regular schedule. So you folks know when to find the podcast and actually have time to listen to it and all that stuff. Really appreciate the folks who've been tuning in for the six seasons. Tell your friends. And folks, if you want to come on the podcast and chat it up with me, please reach out. It'd be a lot of fun. In the meanwhile, let's talk some NFL. Camps are getting ready to open up, which means very exciting. Getting to the point where this will be one of the last, you know, podcasts that's kind of quiet. That. I shouldn't say podcast, but segments of the podcast. It'll be kind of quiet when it comes to the NFL. Well, that's about to mushroom and really take over everything along with college football. But let's go with some NFL talk. How about Superfan? You haven't talked about this guy in a while. Chiefsaholic. So I didn't know that he was actually free, you know, on bond ankle bracelet. I didn't know any of that stuff. And the dumbass cut the bracelet and was on the lamb. I had no idea about any of this. You know, the guy who was rubbing banks in order to be able to live his best life at Arrowhead with Chief's Kingdom. Well, apparently being on the lamb for a couple of months, the dumbass got caught and now they're probably going to lock him up and as they say, throw away the cake. Ah, the amazing things you get to talk about in the offseason. And we have the Corey Dillon. Yeah, that Corey Dillon. Making all kinds of noise this week. First, pissed off at the Bengals because he feels that 
the Ring of Fame, he's not getting the props that's due, he's due. And he also is cranky at Canton because he says he should be in the Hall of Fame. He earned it. So let's think about this. 11,000 yards is nothing to scoff at. Got a ring with the, the Patriots. I don't think he's Hall of Fame. But, you know, I didn't realize he also ranked up, you know, racked up 11,000 11, yards rushing. That's not, you know, chicken feet. I mean, Jim Brown retired with 12,000, you know, just to give you an indication of why Corey's like saying, hey, I mean, yes, he was kind of controversial at, at certain points in his career. But you know what? Maybe he's got a point. And shame on the Bengals for, but it's, it's Mike Brown, Mr. Cheapskate himself. So, you know, he shouldn't be too cranky with them. But he may have a legitimate point in terms of his Hall of Fame candidacy. And holy moly, the NL wins the All-Star game. May have to ha crack open another adult beverage and celebrate. Are you kidding me? We'll talk quite a bit more about that in the next episode for sure. Okay. Mr. Ursay, one not shy to try to garner some headlines, has come out this week and he says the plan is to get Florida's Anthony Richardson, you know, their next hope at QB on the field sooner than later. Kind of makes sense. That's the prevailing trend. If you've got somebody who is the future of your franchise, you might want to get them on the field as quickly as possible, especially given the problems that the Colts have had at the quarterback position. You know, it's always with trepidation when I see that happening because that can go either way. But given, you know, what the Colts have showed us at QB, it really can't hurt. And if you have faith that this guy is the face of your franchise in the years to come, well, let's see it. Okay, how about Mr. Cook and D-Hop still not signed? Does the building war heat up? Or do these guys end up taking deals that will not be to their satisfaction? I don't know. I thought they would have been signed, but I get the feeling in the next week or two, something, not saying they'll be signed, but I think the conversation ramps up as we get to camp. And of course, once, you know, the games start and people start getting hurt in preseason, the teams start saying, well, you know. Okay. Speaking of, you know, young quarterbacks, you know, so last year the Commanders took a fire on Carson Wentz. They drafted Sam Howell, you know, phenom out of North Carolina, and didn't give him a chance until the final week of the season. And the Carson Wentz experience went bust, and they went back to full Kiro Tyler. Tired, Jinnicky, as I like to say. But what, what the thing is interesting about this is Mr. Howell. I mean, quarterback in D.C. is a very tough spot, you know, right? You know, you, obviously, Sammy Baugh, Billy Kilmer, obviously Hall of Famer Sonny Jurgensen. Joey T. But after Joey T, you know, you had the triumvirate of Mark Rippon, Jay Schrader, and Doug Williams. 
There hasn't been a lot of good things at that position. So I can appreciate the commanders taking their time. Dwayne Haskins obviously didn't work out. You know, right? Jason Campbell didn't work out. Patrick Ramsey definitely didn't work out. And some of the veterans, you know, whether it be Rex Grossman, Mark Brunel. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, can Sam Howell, and we only got one game against Dallas, a Dallas team that was thinking about the playoffs. Yeah, he kind of balled out. But it would have been nice if the commanders had taken the track of the Colts and gotten this guy in earlier because it seems like there's a lot riding. And given how salty and impatient that fan base is, I wonder, will they give him the opportunity? I mean, obviously Eric Bieniemy, and people are hoping that if he can show even one one-thousandth of what he did for Patrick Mahomes, we shall see. Going to be interesting times in the nation's capital. So since we're, you know, talking about the future, let's look into the crystal ball. Let's look at two Super Bowl hopefuls. Cincinnati and Buffalo. A lot of talk in Cincinnati, about Cincinnati. Just talked about Mr. Brown and his treatment of Corey Dillon. Of course, when it comes to Joey Cool, are they ready to break through this year? Well, you know, they were in the Super Bowl and lost to the Rams. They were in the AFC Championship last year. I don't... I have been kind of skeptical, but I'm kind of looking at them this year and saying, yeah, this might be the year that it happens. Because there's no question about that guy's pedigree. They have a pretty decent roster. I mean, the AFC is stacked, but I do like their chances. On the other hand, Buffalo, I see them maybe stepping back, especially now Josh Allen. All these pictures of him lip-locking with Haley Stanfield or whatever her name is. You know, the whole thing with digs and all that kind of stuff. But I kind of feel like they've been knocking on the door. This might be that year where all of a sudden things don't go as planned for them. Now, I don't know if I can buy into the Dolphins and the Patriots. And who knows what's going on with the Jets. So by default, they may somehow get there. But something tells me the Bills take a step back. We shall see. How about, let's take a look at the eyes through Tom Brady these days. Uh, season's about to embark on us, and he's on the sidelines. And of course, we find out he lost $30 million in the whole FTX crypto collapse. Of course, someone like him could lose $30 billion and be like, yeah, that was chump change anyway, even though he didn't take that much money, but he's got investments uh, elsewhere. But it makes me wonder what is going on in his mind now the reality is sitting in. Yes, he's got a stake in the Raiders and all that kind of stuff. But do you think he's going to be satisfied with the games going on? You know, after all, when you walk away from the game and it's all over, what the hell do you do? He isn't quite, you know, committed to, like, being a talking head. He said he was going to, and it's like, well... could be interesting two months as far as what happens with Brady and how he contains himself as we go year one without him, supposedly. Okay. So, there was a good, you know, question on ESPN.com. I was looking through earlier in the week. 
This is the Luca Dak question. Who wins a ring first, or who has a better chance of winning a ring? And you know what? I think neither. <laughs> okay? I don't think either one does. If I had to say, I would think Luca has a better chance because I just don't believe in Dak. But as long as Kyrie's around, that kind of cancels it out. So, <laughs> no, I'm going to have to say no. Speaking of the Cowboys, what do we think about Netflix supposedly going to pay $50 million for the rights to do a docu-series on the life of Jerry Jones? I, for one, say, let's do it. That could be fun. People are like, well, how deep will it go? Well, hopefully it goes very deep. But even if it doesn't, it still should be entertaining because it is the Cowboys after all. Okay. Lastly, in the battle of the long and the tooth, who has a better chance of having a moment before it's all said and done with? The Hoodie or Pete Carroll? Takes a sip on his adult beverage. And I'm going to say... I'm going to give it to the Hoodie. That if somebody's going to sip some champagne of those two, I'm going to give Bill Belichick, maybe he put something together. It ain't going to be with Mac Jones, but I think he has a better chance than Pete does, especially since Pete is still hell-bent on going with Geno Smith of having a moment. Disagree with me? FTINFX at gmail.com. We can always discuss. Okay. Time for the stainless steel bowls of the smelliest varieties. You know, regular, complimentary, and XL sizes. It's TMCA time, folks, where people whose deeds in the sports world are just being themselves earn that distinction. Let's start out with Jags left tackle Cam Robinson getting a four-game ban for violating the NFL's PED policy. I'm going to give you an XL. Come on, bro. In this day and age... You haven't figured out a way to beat the test. If you can't beat the test, then don't do it. You obviously must not be good enough to still play at this level. Ah. I'm going to give three XLs, a three strip, for all the haters out there who were pissed that Kobe is on the cover of, two, of 2K24. Really, people? The man's been gone, and you still have all this hate. I think it's only fitting, you know, that you know, the whole eight twenty four thing, yeah, you know Kobe just Kobe was an icon. Nothing wrong with him being on the cover of two K twenty four. Stop it, people. Yeah, three strip for that crowd. I'm gonna give an XL to the Houston Rockets. Really giving Dylan Brooks eighty million dollars? Hell, fill the foxhole five million then if you're gonna just throw money away. I mean, you know. I ain't saying the guy's dog poo as far as his game is concerned, but $80 million for that guy? That guy? Okay. I'm going to give three XLs to Bob Huggins for not shutting the hell up. Dude. <laughs> you effed up on multiple fronts. Fall on the sword. Wait for the fucking... for the air pressure to work and the bathroom to smell clean. If, if you still want to coach, give them the morality out there. Simple, we'll give you a job. Just shut up. I'm going to give the Spurs an XL for shutting Wambiamba down so quickly. I mean, I was talking about Wambiamba fatigue. 
in you know, the Closer Lug segment, at least give us a chance to get fatigued on the God. I mean, that's just too short of a sampling of him. I mean, if you're worried about him getting hurt, he's probably too fragile for the long haul anyways. Oh, I'm going to give Leonard Fournette an XL for driving like a fool like he plays for the University of Georgia and getting his his his, his whip burnt to a crisp. Come on, man. Use some common sense out there. Lastly, three XLs for Kim and Croy. After all this drama, now they're not getting divorced? Are you effing kidding me? All right, folks. We somehow got through this. Another episode of Fox Trading in a Foxhole. We'll be back in a couple of days to get back on our regular cadence. Tell your friends. Hopefully they have some more interesting content in the weeks to come. And meanwhile, enjoy yourself with an adult beverage and get through the rest of this week with a smile on your face. Until then, rock it. Thank you.